Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 516 of the Juice Box Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by fellow podcaster and author, Jin Stevens. Jin is the host of Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. She's also the author of a number of intermittent fasting books. Her newest one, Cleanish, Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean, comes out in January of 2022. I've been looking for someone to come on for quite some time to explain intermittent fasting to me. Jin does not have type 1 or type 2 diabetes, but she is a person who is very well-versed in talking about it. And I've had some interesting run-ins with the fasting idea, and I wanted to understand more about it. Maybe this will help you with your life with type 1, or maybe you're the parent of a child with type 1 who's looking for a new way to eat. One way or the other, this is the next in my series of How We Eat episodes. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. It is incredibly difficult to compile the data needed to help people living with type 1 diabetes. That's why the T1D Exchange has asked me to ask you to consider joining the T1D Exchange. All you have to do is answer a simple survey. It only lasts, it's a number of minutes. If it took you more than 10 minutes, I'd be surprised. It took me like seven when I filled it out. You need to be a U.S. resident who has type 1 or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of a person with type 1. That's all you need to be. And you go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. When you get there, everything is 100% HIPAA compliant. It is completely, completely, completely anonymous. And the questions aren't that difficult. They're not deep, probing, personal questions. They're kind of simple overview questions. But when they get answers from enough people, that data becomes important for people with type 1. I'm going to tell you a little more about it later. But please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. You'll be helping people living with type 1 diabetes, and you'll be supporting the podcast. I'll tell you more about it later. For now, I'd like you to meet Jen. Well, hi, I am so glad to be here. My name is Jen Stevens, and um, I was an elementary teacher for 28 years, so I retired from that. Just before I retired, I wrote a little book called Delay, Don't Deny, about living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and ran some Facebook groups, and it turned into a a full-time career, so (laughs) I left teaching and now just um, manage intermittent fasting support groups. And wrote another book that came out in June of 2020 called Fast Feast Repeat, which was a New York Times bestseller. So I am loving my intermittent fasting lifestyle and um, have maintained an over right right around 80 pound loss since I first lost the weight in 2014 to 2015. So intermittent fasting has turned into my lifestyle and my career. And I just love it. Wow. I Well, I have to say, I've been looking for someone to talk about this specific subject for a while. And it took me a lot of picking around because you'll reach out to people who are like, I do intermittent fasting and I have this or that. And you think, okay, well, they must be used to talking about it. And then you reach out to them like, nah, I, I'd rather not. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> how can this be your thing? And you don't want to talk about it. But right. I'm so happy to have found you. Uh, what's the name of your podcast? Well, I actually have three podcasts Okay, so hold on a as a podcaster. Now you're going to think I'm crazy because what? that's a lot of podcasts, right? You know what? Then let's go backwards first for a second. <laughs> we'll get to the intermittent. People that listen are like, right away, this guy's going to start talking instead of asking about intermittent fasting. But um, I, so I want to understand first, you're a teacher. Right. Uh, and are you a teacher who's looking to change their lifestyle and finds this thing and then opens yes. up the support group? Yep. That's exactly what happened. I was, you know, like many of your listeners, I'm sure I was a chronic dieter. I mean, I started dieting in high school before I even needed the diet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause my mother was a dance teacher. And so I was always obsessed with, you know, she was counting calories. Like out in my 11th grade year, this was back in gosh, 
1984, 85. So this is how long ago it was. I took a computer programming class. We were learning basic. That was the name of the programming language. And I programmed a calorie counter um, program. So I've always had my, my head into diets. Um, but over the years, you know, as I went to college, graduated from college, my weight continued to yo-yo up and down. You know, the yo-yos got higher. You know, I would go up more, then I would go down more. And so it started to look like a big roller coaster over time. And eventually in 2014, I found myself at 210 pounds, which was officially obese. You know, I um, had a doctorate and gifted and talented education and, you know, I have a master's degree in natural sciences. And I thought, you know, I'm smart. Why can I not figure out really how to lose the weight and keep it off? And so I just always was in search of that. Thank goodness intermittent fasting has been the answer because I've maintained in, in my goal range since 2015, even as I've gone through menopause, I'm now on the other side of that and still maintaining, but you know, it's what I was looking for all those years and I just didn't know it. Okay. So I have, um, just for context, how tall are you? I'm five, five. Okay. And now you weigh more like one thirty ish. Yeah, right around there. I haven't weighed myself in years because I just go by the fit of my clothes now. Right. So that yeah, must be so my clothes still fit. So is that a free, <laughs> is that a freeing idea to not step on a scale? Yes, it really, really is. Like in context, I'm coming from the beach. I mean, I'm at the beach right now, and I've been here for two weeks. I'm going home tomorrow, and you know, I know my weight would be up if I were weighing on a scale just because I've eaten differently. You know, I spent a week here with family. I ate out a lot. And so, you know, when it got to me with all this lifetime of dieting, you know, I would get on the scale and see that the number was up intellectually. I know, well, it's because I ate differently. I didn't gain, you know, fat, all this fat over the course of of two weeks at the beach and it goes down over the next few days. But then you start having those diety thoughts like, oh, I better go on a diet. And what I learned with intermittent fasting is it all takes care of itself. You know, you live the lifestyle, um, it, it just all works out. Like I said, so I've been maintaining my weight since 2015. You know, if my honesty pants get a little tight, then I just realize, all right, time to maybe tighten up those eating windows a little bit. And, and it all works out. Wow. It's so much more freeing. And I lose that diet thought that I, that I was so trapped in before. How much of being a teacher helped you organize a support group? Or oh, a hundred percent. I'm going to tell you the very best preparation for working with a large group of adults, I swear, is being an elementary school teacher (laughs) because you learn classroom management and how to deal with with people. You know, little people are, are, you know, grow up to be big people and they have the same personalities. And so, you know, my skills as managing groups of people really has helped me with running the Facebook groups. I've since left Facebook. I'm no longer there, but um, which is a whole different story. But it really is very helpful. And also, I've realized being an elementary teacher, it helps me write books. You know, people are like, wow, you know, you've written this in a way that I really understand it. And one of my friends said, gosh, I think all books should be written by teachers. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to deliver content to people in a way that makes sense. That's, I, that's my whole background. Jenna, I talk in pictures, and I think that's why this podcast is um, positive for people because I'm explaining how to, how I use insulin for my daughter and a number of other things. And what I hear back more often from people than not is that I really understand it when you explain it. It's very easy to, to grasp. It's not very technical. Uh, It's in my, it's true. Yeah. It's just, you're boiling it it down. Yeah. Yeah, I always had an endocrinologist. Okay. I mean, think about this. I'm an elementary teacher. I had an endocrinologist email me and say, wow, your explanation of, I don't, I don't even know what, probably I was talking about insulin and, um, you know, the type two diabetes and fasting. This is of course, very different from type one diabetes, as you know, but he said, it really helped me understand it in a way I'd never understood it before. I'm like, well, that's just wacky. Yeah. I just had an endo. I just recorded with an endo last week who came on to tell me that the podcast changed how they talk to their patients. And wow. It's very cool, but it's, it, it just goes to show that some people are good at delivering a message and some people aren't. And I, exactly. I suspected maybe the teaching part helped you. Um, yep. I'm just going to stay here for one more second before we get to the fasting thing. You said you're not on Facebook anymore. Did you create your own group off online somewhere else? It's not through Facebook. You know, I did. Mm-hmm. I did. And it's, it's small. I had gotten up to almost um, 500,000 group members across my combined Facebook groups, but 
you know, Facebook started making a lot of mistakes with their artificial intelligence. In fact, just this morning, you know, I haven't been on Facebook since March. I left March 29th is the day I walked away and, you know, recording this, um, gosh, three months later, almost, well, almost to the day, but just today, I left one of my Facebook groups still active, but run by moderators, but I haven't been there just today. I got a ding by Facebook, me. <laughs> Obviously, it's something I posted months and months ago, but um, they said that I, I posted something that went against cybersecurity. I mean, I've not been posting on Facebook, like I said, since March. That's been over three months. And today, and you know, because I'm the quote admin of the group, that goes against group. It's a ding against the group. If we get too many of those, it, they'll shut down the group. Right. And, you know, we're an intermittent fasting support group. And so my fear was, you know, in the fall, they started cracking down on health groups. Hmm. And, you know, we all know, you know, the spread of, quote, misinformation is something they're trying to go against. But they were shutting down, like, essential oil groups and things like that. Like, a friend of mine had a, a, a cooking group. And it got shut down overnight while she was asleep and she didn't know why. Um, but and she was also, you know, off of Facebook. Like she her account had been deactivated and her group of 10,000 had been shut down. So I started thinking, you know, I did all of my work on Facebook and with one click, they could shut me down. Right. From an algorithm. And I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on I mean, I don't what did I do months and ago or even I mean it could have been a post I made years ago. I, I, I had so, someone in my group was once reported for bullying by the algorithm and I looked and they were just sarcastically saying something to someone that everyone involved in the conversation completely understood. Oh, we got a, a yeah. ding on the group. Um, one of the moderators, and it counts more when it's a moderator and admin that that's what gets your group shut down. Mm-hmm. But one of the moderators got a ding for saying um, it was, it was called bullying. And she had said, just to a group member, she's like, well, don't worry. Once you're fat adapted, fasting gets much easier. Okay. Well, the AI saw you're fat. That's in oh. context. Oh, she's wow. like, once you're fat adapted. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfectly good context. And then she appealed it and she got um, like a Facebook jail for like a week <laughs> and it counted against the group because she was a moderator. And we're like, wait a minute, this is crazy. So I, you know, I started feeling the threat of, I could really lose everything I've built. You know, you don't have email addresses of of the group members. Mm -hmm. So I walked away and it feels great. Good for you. That's excellent. Um, So, and I agree that uh, my Facebook page, I mean, I don't have 500,000, but there's 13,000 people in there. I only started it maybe a year and a half ago. Um, And it's Uh a much more niche group of people, obviously. But uh, I have that thought sometimes, like, what if I like, what if this just gets taken from me by an algorithm or by something like that? Right. It's helping all these people. How do I find them to say, I don't even know what to do. So maybe I'll have to, in the back of my mind, start figuring out what you learned so uh, people can have a, yeah. a safer place. But nevertheless, I asked you on the show because I am probably, I am not a good eater in general. Meaning that if it's green or natural or in any way reasonably good for you, I've probably never had it before or eaten it under protest that when I was 12. And, <laughs> and I, my body retains water like I'm in the seventh month of a pregnancy. So if I, I get eat, it. if I eat too much of anything, I, I can wake up in the morning four pounds heavier. It's absolutely right. It's, it's crazy. So I'm always and forever. And the people know listening that I'm always and forever just like messing with one thing or another, but I never do anything specifically. And then one day I run into intermittent fasting and I have not kept up with it for, I guess, reasons that have nothing to do with how well it worked. But I went to a schedule of like eating from, I guess, 11 to seven, maybe 11 AM to 7 PM. And I started with like a I don't. I think I might have started with like a 36 hour water fast, and I went right into intermittent, and then I must have lost 15 pounds in like a week. Wow, and water weight. Yeah, <laughs> it no, no, hundred percent. And but as I was going, and then I kept moving, I started testing the theory. I started acting like a like a scientist. I was like, I'm going to eat everything in between this gap of time, and it was stuff that I don't even normally eat, stuff that I would not consider good for you, and I couldn't gain weight. Right. And so I don't understand that. Um, and and then here's the other side of it. My daughter's had type 1 diabetes since she's 2. She's 17 now. This podcast reaches a lot of people who use insulin and have type 1 and type 2 diabetes. When my daughter wakes up in the morning 
and overnight, her blood sugars are absolutely fantastic because there's no fast-acting insulin in her, and there's no food, that kind of stuff. And I, it hit me one day, Arden fasts, my daughter, just not on the schedule you would think of. She basically goes to bed at 10 p.m. and doesn't really wake up and start eating till 9 or 10 a.m. She's basically a 12-12 eater. Right. And her blood sugars are super stable in that time and no lows, like just very stable. So I'm looking for somebody to really explain the nuts and bolts of intermittent fasting, how it works. And um, I think you might be the person. So whatever it is you tell people about it, I'd love it if you could tell my listeners now. Well, you know, you've seen it in action in your daughter. Her blood sugar is very stable because she's not taking in any, any fuel wow. while she's sleeping. And our body's just running right along. You know, our bodies can, can be fueled by what we're taking in or consuming, or our bodies can be fueled from it within, right? So um, within, like, let's say you're fasting, there are two places your body can get your fuel. One would be glycogen stores. I mean, how, how, how basic do I need to get into this? No, you, like in your, your liver, your liver holds glycogen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If your liver, your, your liver holds glycogen, your muscles hold glycogen. Right. So, you know, if nothing's coming in, that's the first place your body's going to turn and it's going to, you know, it, it saves, tends to save the glycogen in your muscles for, um, for activity, but it'll, it'll dip into that liver glycogen. And if still nothing is coming in, Oh, and by the way, that's why you may see during a fast, you may see blood sugar go up and you might think, well, well, how is this possible? I haven't eaten anything. Why is my blood sugar up? Well, that's because your liver is releasing the glycogen and it's going into your bloodstream. So you have to be aware of that. Your blood sugar can go up while you're fasting because the it's coming from within your body. Mm-hmm. So once your liver gets depleted of glycogen to a certain degree, your body's like, all right, you know, we got to do something else. We got to get some more fuel. And that's when it starts tapping into your fat stores for fuel, for fuel. I'm <clears throat> sorry. No, you're fine. Let me drink some coffee. I'm drinking my black coffee right now. Mm-hmm. So you start tapping into your fat stores for fuel and your body really has a lot of fat stores on board and it can keep you going for a long time. And it um, can also make ketones out of your fat stores that fuels your brain very well. Um, this is not the same as, you know, diabetic ketoacidosis, obviously, which is something you'll have to watch out for, but you, um, you feel great. So your brain has a steady source of fuel from the the ketones that are are being produced. And, you know, a lot of people think that you only make ketones if you're on the keto diet. And that's not true. Um, fasting is very ketogenic. Um, and so, you know, I eat carbs in my eating window every day, but during the fast, I find myself, you know, dipping into ketosis, you know, as I get into the later part of the fast, you know, before my eating window opens. Mm-hmm. So I have great mental clarity and great sustained energy during the day, you know, for whatever I need. So I really think our bodies are meant to be metabolically flexible like this. You know, if you think about the standard way that we've been really told to eat for the past few decades, you know, breakfast is quote, the most important meal of the day and you need to mm-hmm. eat to boost your metabolism and, all these things we've been told that so people are eating like six times a day, snacks in between. We're constantly putting sources of energy into our body. And so we never have to tap into our stored fat for fuel. Right. Yeah. You're just always staying on, you're always keeping the gas tank full. So you don't have exactly. to go to the reserve. We're always in the fed state. And so we never, we never have a chance to even, you know, to dip into our fat stores. Really, and you know, we're we're meant to be metabolically flexible, which means we're able to you know change our fuel source as needed. So once your body adjusts to intermittent fasting, of course, this doesn't happen on day one, but once you adjust, your body can just do what it needs to do, and you don't feel so terrible. Um, you feel great in the fasted state, and your body just makes that shift right. naturally, like it's supposed to do. Uh, it's funny as I was doing it, it occurred to me. I've been talking about this a lot lately that because of the internet. You have to name things because if they don't have a name, you can't look for them, right? <laughs> but if if you would have eaten like this 30 years ago, what somebody would have said, like, how do you eat? You would have said, oh, I skip breakfast and and I don't eat when the sun goes down. That might be all you'd say, y- yeah. y- you know, um, and that really is what you're doing, right? And you're creating this this thing that you're describing, this time where your body can kind of just say, all right, now I'm going to work on your fat. I'm going to take exactly. it away from the storage. And then at some point, I guess you get the storage depleted down where 
physically you appear more the way you're hoping to, and then you eat during the eating schedule, which puts it back in, and then you stop eating during the fasting schedule, and then your body pulls it back out again. And then you're in this kind of nice back and forth all of a sudden. Absolutely. Am I right? That, that's what happens. And another name for intermittent fasting that's a little more sciencey, time-restricted eating. You know, that that sounds a little bit better to some people. You know, oh, I follow time-restricted eating, which means you just eat within a certain window of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the cat's out of the bag. A lot of people are like, I'm not going to call it intermittent fasting. I don't We'll call it whatever you want, but I mean, it is called intermittent fasting in right. the, you know, in the general landscape, but time-restricted eating just maybe sounds a little better to some people, but even though it's the same thing. Jen, I got to tell you, I don't care what it sounds like. Um, I, there's I a, know, there's, me too. There's a whole series inside of the podcast, mine, called How We Eat, and somebody with type 1 diabetes comes on and talks about their eating style so that people okay. can see that people eat in all different ways. My theory, my, my theory being everyone with type 1 is using insulin. They just need to understand how to use it for their style. And so right. I just couldn't find a type one who intermittent fasts. And it seemed more technical than just explaining how they did it. So that's why I asked you to come on. And I appreciate it. Now, have you that. ever read the book Mastering Diabetes? Have you seen that one? I don't read uh, as a okay. general rule because I'm a boy. No, because I'm very busy. Uh, <laughs> okay. and, and, I, and I have seen people on the Facebook page talk about that. Um, but to the extent that I understand what it is, I think it's they eat like a lot of fruit and vegetables. In the, they yeah, they're type one, though. So yeah. that, that's what's what's why I brought it up. They're type one and they are I don't know if they're completely vegan, but they're very plant based, low fat plant based. But they talk about, you know, why that works so well for a type yeah. one and, and also with the intermittent fasting. So they do intermittent fasting and low fat plant based. My My thought yeah. around eating is that it's sort of like my thought around everything which you can't, there might be a perfect solution, but I don't think you can make everybody do it. So no, I, I prefer to just say, look, here are all the options. Maybe one of these fits you. Well, we're all different when it comes to what foods work for our bodies. And science is actually telling us this more and more. Um, you know, the whole field of personalized nutrition is popping up and they're doing a lot of really interesting research on it. A lot of it comes from our gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. And you know, like we've found you know, like, like, let's just say glycemic index, you know, we've all heard of the glycemic index, the glycemic response, probably your audience more than most, but it blew my mind when I realized, when I finally understood that we all have individual glycemic responses, like the way I respond to a potato might be different from the way you respond to a potato. Um, and you know, it, we, there's not a universal glycemic response to any food. Yeah. Do you know if I um, if I completely cut sugar out of my life, my GI system doesn't work as well. Really? I, yeah, I don't need a ton of it, but I need a little bit of sugar, and then the entire process, start to finish, goes better. That was a really yeah. Nice I need to, to eat that. starchy starchy carbs. I I feel better when I eat starchy carbs. You know, I tried to do keto back in the day before intermittent fasting, the whole summer of 2014, I was like, I'm going to lose weight with keto because then I'll never have to quote diet again. I'm just going to eat this. I'm doing this forever. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose any weight. And I felt awful. And I never felt satisfied. I never felt full, even though I was eating so much fat, so much food. And then that was when I, I said, forget it. I'm just going to do intermittent fasting. You know, I'd heard about it. I knew about it. I dabbled in it, but I, I couldn't make it stick as a lifestyle. Then finally in 2014, when I switched from keto to intermittent fasting, I reintroduced carbs and I finally started losing weight and I felt so much better. And I'm like, huh, (laughs) I I really do need to eat carbs. And, you know, when I try to try to avoid them, I do not feel satisfied. So I believe that we really are all different. Yeah. A lot of it goes back to what lives in your gut microbiome. Right. Well, let me ask you this. When you're not eating, when you're in the fasting part of the intermittent fasting. So the intermittent is I'm intermittently eating and the fasting is I'm also intermittently fasting. When I'm in the fasting part, if, if forget type ones for a second, okay, type twos and people who don't have diabetes is, is fasting lessening your need for insulin? Well, it, it, it would. Yes. Because you're our bodies, you know, people whose bodies produce insulin, our, in, our bodies, you know, we release the insulin in response to food and our blood sugar going up. And um, so with those of us who have, have a working pancreas, and insulin's coming out. Um, like if I were to drink a, a diet soda right now, for example, my brain 
says, Ooh, we got something sweet coming in. That means sugar because our, our brains don't understand. Oh no, this is made in the lab. This is artificially sweet because all throughout history, everything that came in that tasted sweet was fruit or honey or sugar, or, you know, it was going to give us a, a our blood sugar was going to go up. Mm-hmm. doesn't happen with, with the diet sodas. So our bodies release insulin in response um, with the cephalic phase insulin response. And so high levels of insulin are actually anti-lipolytic, which means keep us from tapping into stored fat. So if like, if I just drank diet soda all day long and had no food coming in, I would not be tapping into my fat stores very well okay. because my insulin would stay up even though no food's coming in because I'm sending that food signal. You know, we don't want to send food signals to our body um, when we're not really eating. Interesting. Okay. It, it is very interesting. I learned all of this from reading Dr. Jason Fung's work. I didn't understand that before. You know, we all have been taught that, oh, if it has zero calories, it's diet, it's good for you. And when I read the obesity code, I was like, oh, no wonder (laughs) we all have um, all these problems. You know, type two diabetes is really a a disease that starts with too much insulin. You know, we're we're insulin resistant. It follows, you know, a a pattern of um, insulin resistance. Insulin is too high. Our body becomes more resistant. It all just breaks down over time, um, you know, leading to insulin dependent type two diabetics. You know, my dad is in that situation. But I actually read a great article. I think it was written by a, a nurse practitioner. I can't remember, but it was when I was researching for fast feast repeat that talked about hyperinsulinemia and our fasting insulin levels. And again, this is you know, not going to be the same thing for someone with type one diabetes, but for someone on the way to type two di- diabetes. And basically she said, we're testing the wrong thing. You know, we, we track your A1C and blood sugars, but really fasted insulin starts to go up even before your A1C starts to go up. So that would be the thing to actually track. You know, we're tracking, you know, she said the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. If everyone knows what their fasted insulin is doing, you could actually take care of that and maybe prevent your A1C from going up, prevent the, um, the progression to type two diabetes. My mom, again, I'm not a doctor. So yeah, listen, (laughs) people listening to this know this, they're not getting medical advice here from me. Yeah. Not from um, me. Yeah. Don't worry. There's a big disclaimer at the beginning. Um, so (laughs) you just didn't hear it. Um, I, so my mom's 78 years old and I'm adopted. So she's not, um, biologically my mom, but she started about a year ago seeing her A1C rise and her father had type two diabetes And I said to her, like, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm like, mom, listen, here's what I want you to do. I was like, I put her on an intermittent schedule Uh and a lower carb thing. I think she does maybe not more than maybe 30 carbs a day. And her A1C came, I mean, she's 78 and she wasn't being active. And her A1C dropped down like a point. Awesome. Yeah, intermittent fasting does that also. You you got to make sure that during the fast, you're not doing anything that would make your body think food's coming in. So you avoid anything with any kind of sweetener, you know, no matter what they tell you, they're like, oh, no glycemic response. Well, not right. No, avoid any kind of sweetener or food flavor. Don't put lemon in your water. Don't put cucumber in your water. Avoid, you know, fruity herbal teas like apple cinnamon delight, that kind of thing. You don't want your body to think food's coming in. Jen, we talk about this on another episode where a CDE who's on named Jenny said that when a person who doesn't have diabetes smells food or even believes they're about to eat, that their insulin starts to work. Yeah. To, to help keep your blood sugar level. It's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's, it's your body sensing these food cues and, and that's that cephalic phase insulin response. You know, your, your body's like, all right, food is coming in. So, you know, we don't want to worry about things we can't control. Like if you're walking through the mall and you smell Cinnabon, you don't need to freak out. But um, <laughs> I just pictured someone throwing themselves off the second floor right. into, the, into the planter. <laughs> wearing a clothespin on their nose. You don't need to do all that. Right, but right. just, you know, don't put anything in. You can control what you're drinking. You can control that very easily. Yeah. So if I'm intermittent fasting... I, I don't even want to have tea before my my eating time starts. You can have you can have black tea, plain tea, green tea, anything that's made of actual tea. But the fine. minute I put sugar into it or something yeah, like don't that, do that, boom, I'm done. You, don't, you okay. don't want to add anything to it. So a bitter flavor profile, like it's found in black coffee, because I'm drinking my black coffee right now. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to, to love it because I used to be a heavy 
stevia user. I would put vanilla cream stevia and cinnamon in my coffee, and it was a delicious treat. (laughs) (laughs) And my my brain thought it was a delicious treat too, but switching to black coffees made all the difference. Um, But the bitter flavor profile is not associated with, you know, calories are coming in. So your brain does not see that as a food cue. Does the, can the schedule move about? Like, can oh, yeah. I, I, I can do 10 to six one day or noon to eight. Like if I'm going to go out to dinner later, like, is, does that work? Absolutely. And you know, you can, you're, you're talking about an eight hour eating window mm-hmm. and an eight hour eating window is a, a great schedule for someone who is not trying to lose weight. Someone who just wants, you know, my, my husband, for example, he never needed to lose weight. He's a um, PhD organic chemist and he, um, does a loose 16, eight, he eats lunch, he eats dinner. That's it. Um, and on the weekend, sometimes you might shift it a little earlier and have like a really, um, like a brunchy kind of lunch. Yeah. <laughs> if he's going to be doing a lot of yard work or something and, and it's flexible for him. Now, if you're a woman like me, or, <laughs> or if you're trying to lose weight, you may need a shorter eating window. You know, a five hour eating window was my weight loss sweet spot. And waiting till later in the day to open my eating window worked better for me. But it's really, you know, you're a study of one. You've got to figure out what feels like a lifestyle to you because intermittent fasting is not something that you want to start and stop, start and stop. Um, You know, the metabolic flexibility can be affected if you go long stretches without doing any intermittent fasting. You'll have to go through the adjustment period again. And that's the hardest part. So you want to, you want to find a lifestyle that is the right amount of fasting for what feels good to you and allows you to meet whatever the goals are that you have. That adjustment period, it, I am obviously is probably different for other people, but is there an average on how many weeks until you're not, you don't feel hungry and it feels normal to you? It really does vary from person to person. So if anyone is starting intermittent fasting, I would encourage them to read or Scott, listen to my book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. It's on Audible. Um, and I actually read it to you. Um, I have something in there called the 28 day fast start, and that is your adjustment period. And so that's kind of an average. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're you know, pretty metabolically healthy, you might adjust more quickly. Or if you've dabbled in intermittent fasting before, if you're eating, you know, a low carb diet, that would also help your body probably make the transition more quickly versus if you're someone who's been battling your weight for a long time, you know, you, you know you're type two diabetic, you've been obese for a while it might take your body a couple months and maybe 28 days is not going to be enough. You may need to tweak what you're eating as well over time. Yeah. But it's, it's really going to be different for everybody. You need to you know, ease in as much as you need to, but understand the goal, you know, you fast clean, which, you know, avoiding any of those food cues, you stick to you know plain water, no flavors added. Um, you can have sparkling water as long as it's unflavored, black coffee, plain tea, stick to the clean fast. And then open your eating window, you know, close your eating window, do it again tomorrow. And you just you really learn to listen to your body. Um, if you ever feel shaky or nauseous during the during the adjustment period or really any time, that, that may be a sign that your blood sugar is too low. Now that your audience would be testing their blood sugar, yeah. so they would know. You know, in that case, go ahead and eat. Don't be a hero. Don't push some, through something that, um, you know, if your body is telling you eat, then you eat. I, I also have a, a fairly um, big caregiver audience too. So there uh-huh. a lot of people who don't have type one that, you know, are parents and, you know, pr- might need the information as well. Like this, this is a, an interesting episode for me. It kind of crosses a lot of um, different, different audience members that I, I don't normally do. Um, what, what are there? You said to fast clean. What about when you're right. eating? When you're eating, you know, you eat what, what you, how you want to eat. You know, as I already said, there's no one way of eating that works for everyone. You know, they're, they're free. I'll, I'll use two books, for example. One is Mastering Diabetes that I already mentioned, written by two guys. They're type one. They eat, um, like I said, it might even be vegan, low fat vegan. And that's what they, they recommend. Well, then on the, uh, the flip side, we've got the Diabetes Code written by Dr. Jason Fung, and he represents, or he um, recommends that you, use a high fat, low carb approach. Okay. And both approaches, they're like 180 from each other, but they're working right. for different people. And, but what both have in common is the fasting, you know, so that's, that's a, a commonality between both books. I- you, you have intermittent fasting in there. And then during the eating window, you find a way that works well for you. I mean, I eat all the foods um, 
I'm also metabolically healthy. I don't have diabetes and I, I never was diagnosed with prediabetes or anything. Although I was probably on my way at 210 pounds, I had a lot of abdominal fat and, you know, that's a big sign of um, metabolic syndrome. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I was, you know, especially looking at my dad, I was on that path, but you know, I eat all the foods. I feel better when I eat real foods and avoid ultra processed foods. Although I eat, still eat ultra processed foods every day. Like I love crackers and chips. I just you know, fit them in around my whole foods instead of making them the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not having a bag of chips. Oh gosh, no. Right, uh-huh. right. So what if I, I'm going to go down the other side of the spectrum for a second. What if you're a person who's like, I can eat on a schedule, but I'm not going to eat well. Will there be any benefit for them if they're like literally at McDonald's during their eating window? Well, you know, yes. I like to say the magic happens during the clean fast. Although what you eat is important. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You're going to be better. You know, we need to nourish our bodies because that's really what makes them work well. But they did a study with rats, I believe. Um, And so I'm just talking out of the top of my head here. I don't have the details in front of me, but they fed different groups of rats different ways. And they also did intermittent fasting with the rats and the ones who continued to eat, I think they called it the cafeteria diet. Uh, It was, you know, ultra processed foods. Those rats had health benefits from the fasting, even though they, they ate the junky foods. Hmm. A minute ago, you stumbled and you used two different colloquialisms and you blended them. You started, Uh you said, I'm talking out of my head, which I believe is I'm talking out of my ass and talking off the top of my head put together. I did. (laughs) I'm also in the South. We don't say, we don't say bad words. I know. Of course (laughs) We're trained as women not to do that. And also I taught school for 28 years. So I often am changing what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you said we don't say them. You just don't say them where people can hear you. Well, we say I'm around our trusted people and really things have changed over time, but I'm almost 52. So it's hard to unlearn those habits. And again, you have to be super careful in a classroom full of kids. It was so. just delightful when I heard the two colloquialisms get blended yeah. together and you rolled right through it. And I was like, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. Am I not asking you anything I should be asking you? Because I really don't know enough about this. Well, you know, the one thing I guess you might want to ask is, is it different? Or I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to just answer it. You know, is it different for you, whether you're type one or type two? And, and the answer is yes, obviously. Um, you know, you're going to, if you're type one, you're going to really need to um, possibly work with your endocrinologist. Hopefully your endocrinologist is, is knowledgeable about intermittent fasting. More and more of them are, but you may need a different plan than someone who's type two. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, I guess, just, you know. well, going off of that and telling you something you, you might never need to know, but might find interesting. So my daughter uses less basal insulin overnight than she does during the day. Right. And so I'm imagining that if people want to try this with type one, they're going to run into a similar situation, but it might not be as stark and, and um, helpful as they think, because there are still other things at play that when you have oh, yeah. a pancreas work. So many factors. Yeah. I mean. Right. Uh, and and, and, and be aware that your blood sugar might go up, you know, like after you work out, for example, if you're fasting and you work out, you might see your blood sugar pop up because your, your muscles are dumping that glycogen and you, you know, and, and so you still have to be on top of that, yeah. even though no food has come in. You do have to keep your eye on it. I just recorded a variable ep- episode the other day that may or may not be up by the time this goes up that discusses the difference for type 1s between anaerobic exercise and aerobic exercise and what happens to your blood sugar in both situations. And when you tax your muscles, lift heavy weights, you are most definitely going to see a blood sugar rise afterwards. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm even talking about growth hormone for kids, uh, hormones from, you know, uh, menstrual cycles, like all this stuff is not going to be completely squelched by, as far as I can tell through my daughter, through a fasting schedule. But what I can tell you is, is that, that during my daughter's eating schedule, she eats about like every other 17 year old kid on the planet. Yeah. Um, some days it's a salad and she looks like a dainty lady in Downton Abbey. And other days she's <laughs> like, I need nachos and cheese. And I was like, okay. And then you end up at some like fast food place and she's dipping nachos into a giant vat of what I don't even know what it is. They say it's queso, but I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? Uh, but, um, but so she eats sort of, you know, off and on like that. But her weight is very stable. 
That's good. Yeah. And and yeah. a lot of that is her age as she gets older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> but 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 I'm just saying that I also know children her age that don't eat on a fasting schedule and mix stuff like that in and they don't have the amount of success. She also exercises and, right. you know, you know, she I, I don't want to paint her as a bad eater. She's a uh, I would call her an American eater. Right. But if there's a more healthy side to that, she's she's off to that side a little bit. You that's know, good. She'll snack yeah. on carrots. You know, right. Oh, know, that's good. That yeah. Kind of getting in, getting in the, those vegetables. That's important. You know, I, I was raised, you know, during the, the time when we just thought if you just took a vitamin, you'd be fine. You know, who needs to eat vegetables, take your vitamins. <laughs> and so I've had to learn a lot about food. I have a new book coming out um, called cleanish. It's coming out on January of 2022. It's available for pre-order now, but it really, you know, the, as I was doing research for that book, it really helped me see, oh gosh, we need more than just that vitamin pill. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to nourish our bodies with the you know, fruits and vegetables. And so yeah. I'm making even more of an effort than I was before. Right. You know, eat the rainbow, that not the Skittles, but <laughs> the real rainbow. Wrong, wrong rainbow. Yeah. Well, I tell people all the time that, you know, you can, you can figure out how to use insulin for almost anything. But just because you know how to bolus for fruity pebbles doesn't mean you should have them every day. Right. You, you know, right. And, and that eating less processed food. Also, I bring it up here a lot, Jen. I cut out oils and it made a big difference in my life. Oh, yeah. I, those inflammatory oils really, I mean, I, I um, have a co host on the Intermittent Fasting podcast and she's been talking about those for a long time. And I was like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> but when I started really digging into the science, she was right that so many of those, those seed oils that are the modern oils um, are just not good for us. So I, I stick to olive oil at home, you know, and avocado oil is also a, a better choice. All I have is I only use cold pressed, um, not processed olive oil. That's the only right. thing that's in the house, with the exception, if I, I want to be honest for a second, there is a small can of canola oil, which is not, I found not good, but I needed to pop popcorn. And other than that, it has no use in our life. Um, I can't see. It's true. Yeah. So, and, and popcorn is a thing around here. So, and I make it like it's 1948 in a pot with a lid, you know? Yeah. And put real butter on it. Oh, mm. if you're going to have popcorn, I don't understand going halfway. <laughs> Yeah, real butter and salt, that's delicious. But but, <laughs> but yeah, ultra processed foods are a problem. You know, I really think if we could if we could do two things for the world, everyone stopped eating ultra processed foods and we stopped drinking all these garbage beverages, which are really actually point one would take care of because you know, you go to the, the beverage aisle of any grocery store, Mega Mart, Costco, anywhere. I mean, that right there is so many of our health problems. Mm. Everything we've got artificial flavors, sweeteners. It's just, it's terrible. But if we all just started eating real food, I think the health of, of the world would just be changed, just boom like that. So the people who listen to the show mostly probably know that uh, a number of weeks ago, I had to go. You, you'll probably enjoy this as a person as a podcast. My son had to go from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, and he had to stay there for five weeks to work out. He's training for a baseball thing. And the first week he was going to be there, we didn't have lodging for him. And I was going to be with him the first week, and we just couldn't set up lodging. And a listener of the show put us up in their house for a week. Um, which I know even probably sounds crazy to you, but I had, inter- it doesn't, no, it does not sound crazy okay. to me. Cause I've had, you know, events with my community. We went on cruises and so yeah, no kidding. You know, pre so, COVID. <laughs> so, so the reason I'm telling you this is because my son and I lived with this, this beautiful family for a week, but they don't drink anything but water. Yeah. And by the time we were there five or six days, I started looking in the mirror and thinking like, I'm losing weight. Yep. But they eat more than I do. And so I was eating on their schedule, not like times a day, but like they have big, they have a big meal every night for dinner, like kind of thing. Like there are nights I don't eat very much and things like that. And I was like losing weight really quickly. Right. And so I got home and I said to my wife, I was like, can we make one small change? There's always Snapple in the house, diet Snapple. I was like, can we stop buying that? So, oh yeah. That's, um, that, yep. I would absolutely not drink that. Yeah. <laughs> Just drink water. Right. Really, I really think if, if every person, whether you're fasting or not, 
only drank plain water with no flavors added, black coffee, plain tea, don't add anything to it. I, th- I think the, the health of the world would just blossom change amazingly. Yep. Well, so then I got a little, I got a little sneaky and I was like, well, let me like try to make this a little better for the people in the house. And I brought in like a bubbly water, but it has a flavor in it. Yeah. And I'm not losing weight the way I did when I was at those people's houses. I promise you stick to the, stick to the unflavored, mm. the plain, like I, I have, you know, the LaCroix and the blue can that's unflavored. Okay. I, I'll drink that. I also like San Pellegrino, mineral water, no flavor added. Yeah. And, you know, I like the bubbles. How about that? I just all occurred to me as you were talking, honestly, over the last 15 minutes, I was like, oh, I cut out the Snapple, but yeah. I didn't replace it with just pure water. How about that? Yeah. And even, you know, forget about what I talked about before with the cephalic phase insulin response. It, they, the diet um, sweetener or the artificial sweeteners affect our gut microbiome in a negative way. We're learning more about that. Mm-hmm. And so much of our health stems from the gut. You know, even like what your glycemic response is, it's yeah. related to what lives in your gut. So, yeah. you know, we want to encourage a healthy population in our gut and, and they thrive on the real foods I, and, and the, the ultra processed foods cultivate an entirely different gut microbiome that is going to lead you towards, you know, unhealthy outcomes. And we see that over and over and over. Every study confirms that there's never been a study that shows that ultra processed foods lead to better health outcomes mm. over time. Two things come to mind. Once I, I had a, a really beautiful doctor on um, and she talked about just thyroid stuff because right. uh, autoimmune things kind of travel in packs. So if you have type one, you might have a thyroid, you might have celiac, like there's other things that would pop up and they'd at least be in the family. So I, I add them into the show. Uh, and she was talking about gut health. And she's like, it's one of those things we can't really quantify yet the way we want to, but there's something there and it's really important. It really is. I'm following a researcher. His name is Dr. Tim Spector. He's out of UK, the UK, and he um, is doing a lot of work with personalized nutrition right now. And mm-hmm. You know, he studied identical twins and um, you know, a lot of genetic research, but he's really focused on the gut now. And it's just astonishing how important it is. Well, I don't know how much this connects, but I told you I stopped. I took all the other oils out of my life, which mm-hmm. means now I won't eat something that's deep fried, you know, it, you know, that kind of stuff. But we ended up in, a, you know, one of our like kind of local bar restaurants recently, and I just stayed away from things that were fried. But then someone didn't finish their chicken wings and I had a couple of them and I recognized, and I'm sorry if this is too much information for people, but I recognized after I ate them, I am now on a countdown to need to be near a bathroom because my, (laughs) my stomach is not accustomed to the oil anymore. That's true. I went, um, you know, here at the beach with my family, we went to, uh, my dad really wanted to go to a seafood buffet and I was like, okay, we'll find, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) keep the dad happy. And so we had the whole family and we went and, you know, everything there was fried pretty much, you know, the crab legs, dipping them in that fake butter. It was, you know, not the kind of food I would normally eat, but you're right. The next day I was in the bathroom more than normal. Yeah, It was that food. And then I was so puffy. I felt inflamed, but you know, I'm, as I talked about in my new book title, cleanish, I'm cleanish. I'm not, you know, obsessive, like going to sit there with my family and refuse to eat because this is not what I would normally eat Yeah, th- or, you know, go munching just, you know, iceberg lettuce off the salad bar. You know, I, I was like, okay, this is not what I do normally, but I'm going to, I'm going to eat this food and it'll be okay. I'm learning a lot from you because you and I are really similar, except I didn't stick to the intermittent fasting. I I'm, I'm ish around it. Like I'm not your intermittent fasting ish. I'm not, yeah, I'm not eating after dark kind of things, but I am eating earlier in the day than I should be. Um, But I was going to say about the ish part this weekend coming up uh, July 4th. Right. And we're getting together at my mother-in-law's house for the first time uh, in a long time. And I said, well, I'm going to bring a pizza oven and I'll make pizzas, but I'm going to make the dough from hand. Like, like absolutely from scratch. I'll use double zero, like finely milled flour, which believe it or not, impacts me differently than buying like flowers that are milled the American I do, way. I do believe it. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. And so when you come down to it, what this will end up being is the the flour, it, the, the dough is going to be nothing more than flour, salt, yeast, and water. And then I will spend a little extra money to put a higher quality cheese on it. Right. And, and you know, a couple of 
toppings. There'll be like mushrooms. They have some, you know, might be a little sausage for somebody. That's really going to be it. And my body will process that pizza. No problem. Absolutely. You're, yeah. you're so right. You know, I actually mill my own wheat into flour on occasion <laughs> and, and <laughs> bake from super scratch. And it's just such a different experience yeah. that really makes a huge difference. You know, when people are like, oh, pizza is so bad for you. Well, not, not if you're making it like this, right? Mm-hmm. I but if actually, I ordered like a pizza hut pizza with Lord knows what they even put on that. Right. No, <laughs> no, exactly what I'm thinking. Like I thinking of that pizza right now, building it in my head. And I know every base ingredient that's in there. And I mean, down to the fact that it's only that thing that's in there. There's nothing right. else involved in it. And it's easier on my system. A hundred percent. It really is astonishing. So, you know, that's the thing. You can eat all the foods you love. I mean, I eat potatoes all the time, but you know, when I, when I make them at home, I'll cut a potato up, toss it in olive oil, throw it in the oven, roast it. And it's like having fries, but they're roasted in my oven Yeah. and I don't feel bad. However, the first night I was at the beach, when I drove here, I went over to the little beach bar because I always like to go there one time and I had a burger and fries and I felt like garbage. Yeah. There's got to like, be. It made point. my stomach hurt. I'm like, why did I knew these fries would make my stomach hurt? Why did I do it? Jen, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever talk about that on the, on your show or do you ever think about it in your personal life? Like I know everything you've said today makes hundred percent sense to me. I've seen it happen in my own life. Why will later today I walk past a candy dish and put a gumdrop in my mouth? Like why, I, what happened to me when I was little, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> well, because we're humans and, you know, we, we, we're not living the, the life of perfection, right? It, it's not easy to do that. And, and it doesn't feel good. And you, but you, you do start, like, I've gotten better at the, you know, thinking about, how will I feel later if I have that? Do I really want to go through that? Like, like I've gone through a recent, you know, going through menopause, alcohol affects me more dramatically now than it used to. So, you know, used to every night at the beach, definitely I would have a, at least a couple of glasses of wine, but I don't sleep as well when I drink alcohol. So now I'm like here at the beach, not drinking anything Yeah, because I want to feel, I want to sleep well and I want to wake up and feel refreshed. So, you know, we just start to, prioritize wanting to feel good. I feel like I'm going to mature right when I die. And then it's going to be well. too late. Like, you know, like my wife said the other day, like they were out shopping, my wife and my daughter, and um, they found this little restaurant and they were like, come over. So I came and I'm eating and I'm like, all the entire time I'm eating, all I can think is, oh, this isn't going to work out. Right. And then I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. I was up at like four in the morning awake. And like, I still felt like I was processing my dinner that I had nine hours before that. And it just was... I, all I could think when I was laying there is like, you're a pretty bright guy. Like, when are you going to like stop? Well, you yeah. know, we, we can be slow learners because, yeah. you know, food is a, a sensory experience and, and there's so much more to it than just what you're putting in your mouth. It's you're there with your family and you have these feelings associated with it. And, you know, like I, like me in that beach bar, you know, I've come to the beach. The first thing I do is head over to the beach bar and have a burger. My wife will say, you know, if I didn't have the fries, I would have felt okay. I just know this. Yeah. Next time I won't order the fries. So it really is about some like real like memories that just the food like relates to. And obviously food's relatable to memories. It's when it's, it's when it happens too frequently that it ends up being unhealthy for you. Like my wife will say, if I'm at a movie and there's not popcorn, I might as well not be at the movie. And I don't understand that, but obviously there's a way she grew up that that just, that makes a movie for her. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It really is. Uh, I really, I genuinely appreciate you doing this, but I don't want to miss anything. And like I said, I feel like a bit of a neophyte here, but do you think we covered, do do you, if, if somebody listened back to this, would they understand intermittent fasting enough to understand if they wanted to know more about it? I think so. You know, really, it's it's not scary. It just sounds scary. And there's there's a saying. I didn't make it up. I don't even know where it originated. Um, but you know, diets are easy in contemplation and hard in execution. We all know that from diets we tried before. Well, intermittent fasting is the exact opposite. It's hard in contemplation, but easy in execution. You know, you're, it sounds like it's going to be so hard and you're going to, you know, be starving and hangry, but once your body adjusts, it is so much easier than trying to diet all the time or eat frequent small meals. It frees up your mind to do other things. You have great sustained energy and you're like, you know, why have I not always eaten this way? In fact, one of the things I hear from people all the time 
is that, you know, this is how I used to eat when I was a teenager or when I went to college, but then everybody said, you got to eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. So I forced myself to eat it. So I would be quote healthy. And that's when my problems all started. Yeah. And a lot of people really look back to that and they're like, oh, you know, I had a grandma and she just would sip her coffee all morning. And then she had a tiny little lunch and ate dinner with grandpa and she was healthy until she died at age of 95. And so, you know, everybody's got you know stories like that. You make me think that uh, of something I said to my wife, I was like, we were healthier when we had less money. And I feel, and, yeah. and the money is about being able to afford food and, and uh, in this context and being able to have something around always that you mean to have, like having options in your refrigerator. Well, yeah. And we've also been trained to fear hunger. Like you better have a snack in your purse in case you're like out shopping and you need to eat something real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to agree with what you just said before. And, and I'll tell you, I'm motivated to do this and, and stick to it better because I, after a couple of days, had to almost remind myself to start eating at noon. Right. And and I did feel terrific. I I, I will be honest. My back And didn't you do not have to start eating at noon. You know, are are would you like to lose a few pounds or you feel like you're exactly where you'd like to be? Oh, you're delightful. No, I should lose a few pounds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I love it. If you would, would like to lose a few pounds, then maybe you don't open your window till three. You know, you have a little snack and then later a, a great dinner. Interesting. Um, okay. I, listen, I'm up for doing something. I'm 50, Jen, uh, right. in a couple of weeks, and I do have that underlying fear that I'm going to tip over some edge that I can't crawl back over again. Well, when is your birthday? July 12. Yeah, I'm July 23rd. So. Right. Oh, happy birthday. My daughter's uh, the 22nd. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Almost a birthday twin. Yeah, we're so close. <laughs> close enough. Well, I, I let me first say I really appreciate this, and I will absolutely put links to your books in the show notes. And and I'll, when I do an intro, I'll 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 do a nice um, awesome buttoning. Up you know, and I think you'll you'll enjoy Cleanish. I know that you said you don't read, but listen, I'll be recording the audio eventually. Um, it'll be out at the same time. It'll be out in January as well. I just right. haven't recorded it yet. But you know, listen to parts of Fast Feast Repeat on audio, and when Cleanish comes out. It really, I learned so many things. You know, I thought I knew a lot, but as I was researching, I learned so much more and it really just has inspired me. You know, the subtitle is eat mostly clean, live mainly clean and unlock your body's natural ability to self clean. Hmm. And, you know, it talks all about our toxic load and even the things we're putting on our bodies and how that affects us. We're just in a different kind of world now than, you know, a hundred, 200 years ago. Wow. No, I agree. You just said, uh, I'm going to let you go, but put on your body's meaning of like hand creams and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Can affect you. Yeah. Yeah. It all, you know, goes in through the skin. We know that it does, you know, cause everybody's seen someone use a, a therapeutic patch for something or other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a great medication delivery system. So if, if medications can be delivered through patches, then what you put on your skin is delivered in the exact same way. So, you know, our toxic loads are just crazy these days. You know, babies are born with um, toxins in their cord blood. Then, and we just yeah, I could go down this rabbit hole forever, but yeah. it really, what I learned was shocking to me, even though I thought I knew a lot and it really inspired me to make a difference with, um, you know, like I said, I'm cleanish, but I make changes where it, it wherever I can so I can still you know, live a life where if I want to go to the beach bar and have fries, I can mm-hmm. and still be healthy. The fasting helps with that, with the clean and the self-cleaning that yeah. happens during the fasted state. But you know, there's other things. The fruits and vegetables help our bodies self-clean too. Wow. I've really enjoyed this. First, let me thank Jen for coming on the show and sharing all of her knowledge about intermittent fasting. For anyone who cares, on the day this episode comes out, and I don't know what the date is, you're going to have to look at the calendar. Actually, that won't help you, because if you look at it the day after it comes out. Anyway, I think it's going to come out like the end of July, 2021. I'm going to start an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm going to start it back up again, and I'm going to stick with it for at least 30 days. So if you're on the private Facebook group, I'll be reporting there about it. So I'm using this to hold myself accountable. The first 30 days goes well, I'll extend it.
Oh, you might not know where the private Facebook group is. It's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. I think there's a link in the show notes. If there's not, definitely you can get to it through juiceboxpodcast.com or just searching Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Don't forget to check Jen out. She's got, like she said, three podcasts. I said two at the beginning, but uh, I think it's three. She's got a ton of great books. Uh, they're all available on um, on what they call the Amazon.com. You could head over there and just type in her name, Jen Stevens. It's with a PH. I could do it with you real quick. You people are so needy. Hold on a second. I know no one asked. G-I-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. And then when you hit enter, it's on your keyboard. It pops right up. All of her books. Fast, feast, repeat. She wasn't wrong. It's a bestseller. And others. Don't delay. Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle, Cleanish. Wow, she's prolific, this Jen Stevens. Now, if you go to juiceboxpodcast.com and do a little scrolling down, you'll see all of the How We Eat series right there. Vegan, carnivore, plant-based, gluten-free, low-carb, Bernstein, FODMAP, keto, flexitarian, today, intermittent fasting, and there are more coming. People have all different kinds of ways they eat, and I find each and every one of them interesting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Thank you for sharing the show with friends. Doctors, thank you for sharing it with your patients. Patients, thank you for sharing it with your doctors. You guys are terrific. I couldn't do this without you. All the great ratings and reviews and emails and messages, they mean the world to me. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.